This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Dan Kilpatrick, and this is The Leader. We climbed the highest mountain last season, what we have done, but uh, no, I don't think so. It will be possible to do what we have done last season. I really believe the best is, is yet to come. It's an exciting time to be an England player for sure, but we have to earn that right every day. Harry Kane's leaving Spurs and the Lionesses face Colombia without Lauren James. The drama of an incredible weekend of football has begun before a ball's even been kicked. The Evening Standard celebrating the start of the Premier League with a different front page for every London team in the competition. And the sports team's taken over the leader podcast for the day. Simon Collings joins us from Australia where he's been covering the Women's World Cup and with me in London is Nizar Kinsella. So let's start with Harry Kane. He's on the way to Germany as we speak to complete a move to Bayern Munich after a protracted summer of negotiations. Niz, is Bayern a slightly underwhelming move? Am I wrong to, to think that? Or do you think this makes total sense for Kane? Yeah, I think it might be. You know, you look at what Harry Kane can do. Uh, he's been the best player in the Premier League maybe for the last five years, certainly before Erling Haaland arrived. So uh, to see him sort of go to a lesser league, I think that that's where the shock comes from, right? So, you know, it's going to be less competitive in the Premier League. You expect him to really dominate in the best team in Germany. That's all well and good. But 
you kind of felt maybe he'd have gone to a team that's slightly more competitive within the Premier League that that could maybe challenge Man City. So that's probably where uh, we're a bit disappointed. And and also I think that maybe we wanted to see Harry Kane sort of mount a challenge with another club against Manchester City who are sort of increasingly dominating the division. So that's a bit of where we we kind of sit a little bit, some of us, uh, on the Harry Kane issue. And uh, what a shame to lose him from English football as well, one of our best players. But yeah, I guess the allure of trophies and one of Germany's biggest clubs was just too much. Yeah, Kane spent most of Thursday agonising over this move. It looked at one point like he might actually stay at Spurs, which would have been really strange after a summer of negotiations. Normally when a club reaches an agreement, it's a formality that the player will move. But Kane really thought about this and I did wonder if he might run down his deal as Spurs have the pick of clubs across Europe Next summer on a free transfer, maybe he could have gone to Real Madrid and played with Kylian Mbappe. As you said, maybe he could have gone to United and helped them challenge City or even City themselves if Haaland was to go elsewhere, for instance, Real. Simon, does this make sense for Spurs financially, though? I mean, they've got big money, albeit not huge money in today's market, but they've packed Kane off to Germany where he can't score goals against them. Yeah, financially, I think it makes makes perfect sense. And I always in the back of my mind was thinking Daniel Levy, the businessman, will surely see the big money and the fact that the player's going to go for free and think, you know, we've got to take this. The issue I would have with it is, is the timing of it. You know, we're recording this the day before the Premier League season starts and you've hired someone in Ange Postacoglu. He's a re- re- rebuild manager and his rebuild is now starting the day before the season. Any guesses as to what the first question's going to be about? No idea, mate. Good turnout, though. We, we had to cancel it last week. No one was interested in what I had to say, so it's it's best Harry speaks for himself in terms of the decision, but look, there's no doubt he's one of the greats of this football club, and that that doesn't change. You know, his um, his record speaks for itself. He's standing amongst our supporters, stands for itself. Um, you know, um, I'm only new in the building, mate, but um, I'm certainly not a spokesman for um, this football club in the in the sense of you know proclaiming people's status but I think it's fairly evident that uh, you know Harry Kane is will, will always be one of the greats of this football club I think if this had been done at sort of you know the start of July which you know sort of West Ham did with Declan Rice I think it would have made more sense for me it's the timing is the big issue and I, and I think for Spurs that will be the difficult thing how do you go about starting a season when you've lost Kane literally 24 hours before you kick the first ball yeah I agree on that and not the first time Daniel Levy's done a late deal to almost hamstring a manager on the eve of the season. I remember Dimitar Berbatov way back in 2008. He was sold on, on deadline day, um, which was even worse. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Declan Rice, Simon. Let's talk a little bit about Arsenal. Obviously, they got the Rice deal wrapped up nice and early. They've done some really encouraging business. Looks like David Rea, the Brentford goalkeeper, is going to be next. They've also got Durian Timber, a right back from Ajax, I believe. Can they go one better this year, do you think, and overhaul Man City? I definitely think they can. And, and if, for me, I, I did the piece in the paper today about pressure on Arteta feels very different to what he's had before. You know, he's been in the spotlight a lot. Asked, but the level of backing he's had, I mean, it's, it's quite ridiculous, really. You know, over 200 million spent, all his targets done before they flew to the US in the middle of July. His number one targets in positions, you know, the, the level of backing and support he had has been absolutely ruthless. We, we talk a lot about, you know, Chelsea's big spending, but Arsenal spent. 
under Arteta. It's like over 600 million now. I think it's excitement. You know, this is where we want to be and, and building a team that has the belief and the quality to, to be fighting for, for those places. And, and the competition this year is going to be even harder than last year. You see a lot of teams, the movements that they make and, and you have to expect something different of them. So we're going to have to be much better still than last year. And this is the way we are preparing to, to try to seek for that. So I think that for him, it's probably going to be a different season in terms of fans and us as journalists are going to expect Arsenal to be competing for the title because you look at that squad now, there's competition all over. You know, Declan Rice, Thomas Partey, Timber, Ben White, Kai Havertz, you know, coming in. I think David Raya sums it up almost though. You know, Aaron Ramsdale, I think, was, was very good last season and now he's got the Brentford's brilliant goalkeeper competing. So, yeah, I think Arsenal can compete and I think fans should expect them to compete. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's... A different kind of pressure on Arteta this year, isn't it? I mean, you almost had a free pass last year from the media. I mean, you'll be covering Arsenal home away and abroad this season, but um, there wasn't a lot of criticism when Arsenal fell away at the end of last term because I think they'd overachieved so much already, but it'll be different this year. There'll be a lot of expectation on them. You mentioned Chelsea. Niz, let's talk a little bit about the Blues. Hard to know what to make of them. It's There's so much flux going on. I mean, they're still making big moves in the transfer market, even as we kind of speak. Mauricio Pochettino is in. I feel I feel really good. I'm so excited to come back to the Premier League. Really busy because you know it's a period that we are so busy with the preseason and everything. It's obvious that we are looking for. No, but it's obvious because of when you look the squad and when you compare with the last season. You know, too many midfielder uh, leave the the squad, and I think we are. We have different options, you know, we are working hard to try to see, uh, uh, working really hard, but always being very respectful with all the, the names. I mean, how is their rebuild going? Do you think they're ready for the start of the new season? Well, I think that Maurizio Bocchettino has done uh, as well as he can do with what he's got. He looks at pre-season and, and the team looks look much fitter. They have a clear identity. They won the inaugural Premier League Summer Series, uh, going unbeaten across their five pre-season games. But... In the sort of last week or so since that that sort of preseason tour of the US has ended, you know, and Kunku's got injured for four months, which concerns me greatly. I, I thought that he would be one of the main players for Chelsea this season and, and really look good in preseason. So they go into that Liverpool game without him and and also they've done some business, some decent business. Nicholas Jackson looks the part. Um a few of the others, Andre Santos in the squad, Malo Gusto. Uh, they all look pretty good, but I think that the summer was going to be defined by the real marquee signing, which I thought was going to be Mo- Moises Caicedo. And, and in the last 24 hours, we've sort of seen Liverpool steal a march after Brighton did a did an auction, a midnight auction on Thursday night to see who would win it. And, and Liverpool somehow have outbid Chelsea, 110 million uh, for the main transfer target, Chelsea, that they've been trying to sign for two months. So... That also concerns me. Chelsea really look short in midfield. So there's a few things that concern me. I think that Pochettino will improve Chelsea, but let's not forget they're coming from a very low base, a 12th place finish. Uh, What can they achieve? Can they compete with a team like Arsenal? The way Simon describes Arsenal, the confidence he speaks with, I don't have that for Chelsea. And uh, there are are a few things that concern me. And, and, And hey, we're on the 11th of August now, on the eve of the Premier League season. And I think that, the team's still in, being transformed uh, in front of Maurizio Pochettino's eyes and, and it remains to be seen what it looks like on September the 1st when the, the transfer window closes. 
Let's go to the ads. Hit the follow button on your podcast provider to get the leader delivered to you every day at 4 p.m. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Let's talk about the Women's World Cup. Simon, you're in Australia covering the Lionesses predominantly. They haven't been that convincing so far. They've got a quarterfinal against Colombia tomorrow, albeit without Lauren James, who's got a two-match ban uh, for her sending off uh, in the last 16. Um, do you think they're kind of coming to the ball at the right time? It's never good to peak too early in tournaments or... Or are you concerned by what you're seeing from them so far? It's been very different to the Euros where it kind of felt like England just, you know, were riding an absolute crest of a wave and sort of soaring through the tournament and getting better with each game. The performances have been a bit more up and down here um, and, the, and the players have been, you know, they've been questioned about it, uh, rightly so. And they have sort of stressed the point you made there that, you know, at that tournament, it's results that matter. And, and England do, they do sort of have the look of a team that could just get their way to the final. But defensively, they're excellent. They've conceded one goal, which was contentious penalty against China. Um, you know, Mary Earps in goal has been brilliant. You know, rightfully was voted the best best goalkeeper in the world last year. We're constantly looking to improve and, and drive performance and drive our standards. And I think that that's the best thing about it. You know, we're not sitting here, of course, happy that, that we're here and, and grateful that we're here, but we're not satisfied. We're not done. And there's still more levels we want to go. And as much as they're not, playing this all scintillating football that got us all hooked during the Euros. They are playing quite good tournament football. So I think for them, that will give them a lot of confidence. I think Colombia will be a difficult game tomorrow. There are a lot of Colombians in Sydney, as I've, as I've found out uh, during the week when they were playing their game. All the bars were absolutely packed. Uh, they're expecting a sold-out crowd here, 75,000. And I think the vast majority of those will be Colombians. So it'll be very different to the last summer where, you know, Larness has had that fantastic support. And as I mentioned, England will be without Lauren James for tomorrow's game against Colombia and in the semi-final if they get there after FIFA extended her ban for that stamp against Nigeria in the last round. She was really the, the player of the group stage in, in some respects. How big a loss is this, Simon? Yeah, it's it's very big. Um, I mean, after that sort of group stage, that China game where she was absolutely fantastic, two goals, three assists. Uh, a lot of us journalists out here were sort of saying, you know, this is, you know, this can be her tournament. You know, we've seen Miami sort of Wayne Rooney year 2004, that young player just absolutely taking it by storm. Uh, and it came sort of crashing down against Nigeria for England. Um, the attack has been so sort of based around Lauren James. Even that the switch to the back three, which they did, was about getting Lauren James in that number 10 role, getting her on the ball, creating chances. And I think for Vegan, it might see her tinker again against Colombia. It wouldn't surprise me if they go back to a back four. Um, get Kira Walsh on the ball a bit more because it didn't really suit her that back three and yeah I think the, the good news is if, if England do get to a final which uh, I'm, I'm very much hoping they do and I'm sure the fans are as well uh, that Lauren James will be back because I think it would have been a great shame if, if her last image from this World Cup was, was that stamp against Nigeria 
Yeah, well, you can catch all of Simon's coverage of tomorrow's quarterfinal and the rest of the tournament uh, on the Standard website, of course, in the paper. I'll be following Spurs this season predominantly. Niz will be following Chelsea. Simon will get back on Arsenal when he's back from down under. And, of course, we do West Ham, Palace, Fulham, Brentford and our clubs in the Football League as well. And that's the leader. Go to standard.co.uk slash football for our latest Premier League and World Cup action. The podcast is back on Monday at 4pm.